Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast from the American Advertising Federation, giving you the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing. Created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. Today, it's a recap of a fireside chat we had on March 24th, 10 Questions with District 10. Led by Stephanie Price, our District 10 governor, and focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you weren't able to be with us on the 24th, this is the one to listen to now and to share with your friends and colleagues in the advertising industry. It's a good one. And before we get to that recap of the fireside chat with District 10, 10 with 10, a couple of things to talk about. The AAF District 10 online auction is live right now and will end on Saturday, April 23rd, after the end of Invention 2022 being held in Houston. From tropical, snowy, and cabin getaways to wine tasting, sports, and music, there is something literally for everyone. And for the music fans listening right now, we recently added the following musical legends to our live auction. Listen to this. The Beatles playing on The Ed Sullivan Show. Nirvana lead singer Kurt Cobain framed self-portrait. Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam framed lyrics with autograph. U2 lead singer Bono handwritten lyrics, autographed and framed photos. The King meets the greatest, a framed autograph featuring Elvis Presley and Muhammad Ali. The Rat Pack, Sands Casino, framed, including poker chips and cards. Frank Sinatra, success is the best revenge, and so much more. It's a 2022 AAF District 10 online auction. Again, it ends April 23, 2022. AAF10.org is the place to start. Get ready to shop. A quick reminder on April 12th and 13th, there is virtual leadership immersion training for incoming presidents hosted by the American Advertising Federation National. You can find out more at aaf10.org. And here is a personal invite from me, from Houston, for Advention 2022. AAF's most dynamic district is coming to the nation's most diverse city. Yep, that's Houston. In addition to the National Student Advertising Competition, count on a full spectrum of speakers and workshops and opportunities for professional growth and personal fun. Visit the Advention 2022 website for more details and register. Do that today. Advention2022.com. And we'll see you here in Houston on April 20th through the 23rd. Can't believe this year is going by so quickly, but Admerica is coming to the Gaylord Opryland Hotel in Nashville June 2nd through the 5th. The AAF's National Conference connects all aspects of the advertising industry. Influential agencies, students from across the countries will address how to thrive in today's economy. Admerica explores the innovations made in the fields of advertising, marketing, social media, creative, digital, new business, mobile advertising. While attending Admerica, you're also invited to the Chairman's Reception. You'll experience creative excellence at the American Advertising Awards, honoring volunteers at the Salute to AAF Achievers Luncheon, and you'll see our industry's future as we watch our talented National Student Advertising Competition. Find out more and go get your tickets for Admerica, June 2nd through 5th in Nashville, aaf10.org, and click on the Admerica link.
And one more note before we get started on today's 10 with 10 Fireside Chat on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's the 2022 D10 Club Officers Training. Presidents, VPs, and the entire board of directors are encouraged to attend. Details at aaf10.org. I guess you could say we got through the commercials. Now here's the program. You're going to enjoy this. And you're probably going to learn something, too. Well, welcome, everybody. Hi, I am Stephanie Price. For those of you who don't know me, I am the governor of District 10. That is the 19 incredible clubs across Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. Want to say thank you to Austin Sandy, our programs chair, for bringing us our three incredible guests today for our 10 questions with District 10. This is the third in a four-part series, and we are excited. It's Women's um, Empowerment Month, Women's History Month, and I think it's great that we are talking about um, great questions with three incredible women. So we have Dr. Yvette Allen Moore. She is the Assistant Vice Chancellor of uh, Diversity at Arkansas State University. She is a proud alum of Arkansas State University where she earned her bachelor's degree in communication studies. She has a master of arts in comm studies and from the University of North Texas, go mean green, um, a master of science in family studies um, from and from Texas University, Women's University and a doctor of philosophy degree in a higher education from the University of Denver. Um, this girl is smart and well-educated as you can see. She has a passion for student affairs and social justice as evident in her research agenda and community activities. She focuses on the experience of students of color in higher education and social justice and education. I can't wait to dive into that. So excited. With 15 years in corporate America, supporting five Fortune 500 companies as the HR executive, Lee Henderson devotes her time to fractional HR executive consulting, writing, creating content, and helping workers maximize their success through her HR coaching expertise. You can follow her on every social platform as at HR Manifesto. If you've not checked out her stuff, guys, go do it. It is such great bites and content. And um, you can go to her website, thehrmanifesto.com for more information on collaborating. And then last but not least, Brandy Rand educates audiences on the power of social media, personal branding, and networking, and currently is serving in her second term as the DEI co-chair for the American Advertising Federation Dallas chapter. So she's a homegrown girl from District 10. She's a 2020 winner of a silver and bronze telly for her work on the For Jason, For Jason Black is Human campaign. It sheds light on how the COVID-19 pandemic is adversely impacting the Black community, a wonderful topic that we need to explore, absolutely. She is driven daily by the awesome responsibility of being the Black woman in the advertising room who is saving space for the next. So we're going to go through these 10 questions. Um, again, Austin and I have kind of divided them up amongst you guys, but if you have something to add in and want to jump in, feel free to just do it. I want this to be a conversation among the four of us. I want to do um, the least amount of talking after doing your introduction. So please shed your um, light on this. Give us your insights. And some of these questions are lighthearted and fun. Others are meant to be um, really thought provoking. And we've asked these same 10 questions across our four part series, but have gotten widely different answers. And I think that's what's so great about this series. So first of all, could each of you just kind of tell us about your career thus far? I know I shared your bios, but that's probably only part of the story. So we'll start with uh, Yvette. 
Um, I started as a graduate assistant um, in diversity and inclusion work. Um, and there, I always had a passion for it. And I say that to anyone, um, you may not always see yourself in certain spaces, but um, you just never know where you'll end up. So certainly use your passion how, how you need to. So I started as a graduate assistant actually at, uh, with a multicultural center where I was getting my doctoral uh, degree. And from there, it just kind of, you know, as people say, the, you know, the story just kind of goes on from there. Um, but from there, I had wonderful, wonderful opportunities to uh, work strategic planning and that type of thing on diversity initiatives. Um, and from there, worked um, as an assistant director of orientation and had to um, got the chance to strategically look at how do we implement this for all of our students coming into the institution. Um, and from there, one of the unique things about my career was being able to build spaces, right? So a lot of times diversity, equity, inclusion work is not already there for folks. Uh, one example I used when I was at USU Eastern, um, when I was serving as director of their um, student life and leadership area, one of the things in my job description was to... Um, do some diversity work. And so I've gone to my supervisor and I said, you know, I'm doing everything in this job description except this part. And so he was super um, supportive. And so that's how we got to build out what they now call their Center for uh, Diversity and Inclusion there. And I started one of their diversity conferences there and they're now in their seventh year. And so um, I think that's a testament to some of the strategic work. Um, and so I say all that to say, I did all that um, before coming back home to Arkansas and Arkansas State in 2017, where I started as director of the Multicultural Center there, working on uh, program planning, um, diversity trainings, et cetera, and then moved um, to executive director and now assistant vice chancellor for diversity, where I work on you know strategic campus things such as campus climate, um, things of that nature. Um, but just trying to a summary of what I what I've been doing and how I got here in my career uh, thus far. That's incredible. I I love that you saw that you weren't you weren't doing something that you were like, hey, this this is my job and I'm going to own this. What an what an incredible testament. Um, Lee, same question. Tell us a little about your career thus far. Wonderful. So. Thank you so much for having me join you all. Stephanie, thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, I am a 15-year HR professional. It's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever loved. But it took a couple of brave pivots to get me on that track. And so if you're sitting back and you're in your career and you're wondering, gosh, am I in the right place I should be? Or, oh, oh you're right. Uh, careers don't do this. They don't do these perfect stair steps, right? They're like this. They're like roller coasters, right? So lean in uh, and, and find that passion and just go for it, right? Mm -hmm. And so would you believe that I actually started pre-med? Uh, and so I thought psychiatry was for me. I wanted to be a psychiatrist so bad. And then I learned something uh, pretty important that first semester at university that did you know psychiatrists have 10 year residencies? My gosh. And did you know that you have to go through medical school and there's lots of blood there? <laughs> so I, I, found I did out know really that quickly. part. <laughs> so I found out really quickly in all those science classes that that first semester that that was not for me. But what was for me was psychology and I was in that course and then industrial organizational psychology and I absolutely fell in love with that that's basically the psychology of people at work uh, so I ended up going to business school fell in love with human resources because I've decided to be a practitioner and not a theorist uh, and go on to get my PhD in IO psychology and then have now worked over 15 years in all sorts of different areas within HR and in corporate America. So I mentioned pivots and how careers do this kind of weird thing. Uh, last summer, and I know so many people are going through this, uh, especially with COVID and families and ah, just all the changes that, we're, that we have in our society, very, very profound changes. 
that are, you know, novel to so many of us, I had another pivot and I said, you know what, I don't want to feel burnt out. You know what, I don't want to be in a toxic work environment. And I left my cushy corporate nine to five and decided to go out on my own and continue my professional development as an entrepreneur, something that I've never done. And I kicked off a couple LLCs. Uh, I do professional coaching. And you all will appreciate this since you all are such a group of creatives. Uh, I'd always been super artsy fartsy up until I went to school, right? So I'm operatically trained. I was in choir, play the violin, I paint, I do everything uh, all around the arts. I love, I love it. And uh, I turned it off, right? Until I left that corporate job and I went running right back to it. And so as Stephanie mentioned, uh, you know, I'm on all of the platforms, my, I guess my home base platform form is TikTok, uh, where I do edutainment, you know, so all of my content is centered around approachable coaching and helping anyone and everyone I possibly can maximize their success at work. And so that's been my way to give back and my creative outlet. And that's what brings me so much joy. Uh, so again, careers do this weird thing. They're not perfect and uh, keep leaning into those passions, but hopefully that weird career path inspires you to be brave in your own. Absolutely. I, lo I love that. Um, and then finally, Brandy, tell us a little bit about your career. Yeah, so I'm a self-taught social media expert initially. Um, I'm from Kansas City, so Midwest girl. Um, had a my own advertising agency, so you can speak, um, back in Kansas City, where I was helping small businesses and entrepreneurs with their social media. And then, you know, the winter before my then boyfriend and now husband and I, <clears throat> excuse me, moved here to Dallas, we were like, this weather sucks. We were shoveling every three days. So we just came to Dallas. We had, you know, no intention of like really getting into corporate, but I continued to do what I was doing, knocking doors, eating what I kill as an entrepreneur, doing social media. And it was going okay. But then the number one question I kept getting repeatedly was what ad, ad agency are you with? So I was like, okay, it's a ad agency culture here in Dallas. So let me go get with an ad agency. So at the time I got with the largest social media ad agency slash media and uh, cut my teeth really on managing multiple accounts. I've been since then at a PR agency, sports marketing agency at TMA, uh, did a stint at the Richards Group, then at um, Burrell, where I led Toyota's social media for the Black consumer for three years. And I also led AT&T's sports sponsorship social media as well. Currently, um, my role is VP account director at an agency called Digitas out of Boston, where I lead the social media center of excellence for a top three financial institution. So that's my trajectory from a professional perspective. As you mentioned in my intro, I do a lot of um, organizational and philanthropic work, currently serving my second term for um, you know, AAF Dallas, um, was also the inaugural comms chair for ColorCom, which is a business um, entity for women of color and communications. And then I also do speaking engagements. Um, my most proud moment was at the Congressional Black Caucus speaking on natural hair in the workplace. Um, as we know right now, the Crown Act is currently being passed in a number of different states to um, prohibit hair discrimination in um, schools and corporate America. So that's just a little bit of background about like what I do. I'm also a mommy. I tell that to everyone. I'm a boy mom of two, six and two years old, but that's a little bit about me. That's an important part as well. I couldn't agree Very. more. 
Um, I find that fascinating. I have a friend um, who works in film up in New York state that is very much involved with the, the crown project as well. He's very, yeah. very passionate. He's done some documentaries and stuff. So I'm a little familiar with it, but very, nice. very inspiring, wonderful work. So this next question is for a couple of you guys. So we'll kind of dig into to more questions where we kind of you, um, use each several of our panelists' viewpoints. But if you want to answer a certain one, you guys just feel free to chime in. But this one's for Lee and Brandy. What is the most recent thing that you've read, heard, or watched that inspired you and why? So Lee, take it away. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I'll tell you that again. I use the technical term. I see you, Austin, in the comments, artsy-fartsy. Uh, so I seek out unique experiences because that's when I'm really inspired. When I'm uncomfortable, uh, that's when I know I'm growing and I'm inspired by something. And that helps my content uh, and what I create uh, just get better, right? And so what do I mean by that? I travel to different places. I, I eat different foods. I try on different music. I try on different styles. I try on, you name it. And so, you know, one thing that I do very intentionally is that I read books outside of my genre, right? The things that I normally gra gravitate to, I read those, but then I also push myself to read other things. And what do I mean by that? You can see how nerdy I am here for a second. Uh, something I started doing a couple of years ago is that I, I have a goal to read all the Pulitzers. I'm starting with the fictional Pulitzers. Uh, and so I actually have the list of all the Pulitzers. I'm 45 deep and I go and I, I, I intentionally read other people's stories, right? Uh, because it is so incredibly inspiring. And, you know, my recommendations to you all is to try something on that's unfamiliar, that's completely novel. It's so inspirational. I'm a huge Colson Whitehead fan. Uh, I just I've read his book multiple times now. Uh, I can't I can't stop reading them. So if if you're looking for an incredible story, the Nickel Boys, I loved Overstory. Powers is is incredible. Uh, just go just pick a pick a Pulitzer, try on a different story. Uh, but that is you know those are some of the books that I've read recently that have really really inspired me. And if you're looking for an inspirational study, I just spent a week and a half in Santa Fe and traveling all through New Mexico. Uh, Meow Wolf is incredible. Uh, if you haven't been out and, and seen the incredible art installation and just dive, dive into a new town and just eat it alive, you know, so that I intentionally do that uh, so that I can support and enhance my content. Uh, so hopefully that, that inspires you all. <laughs> I love that so much. That's great. In Santa Fe, um, I'm in Amarillo. So it's, it's a quick four hour drive for oh, me. God. So we go, we go all the time. It's a great place. Yeah. Yeah. I spend a ton of time out in white sands too. I just laid in the sand for like three yeah. hours. It's so weird, but it's very, it's just, Ooh, like just change your point of view, change your scenery. Right. And Ooh, all these things just come flooding to you from a creative standpoint. Uh, so highly recommend trying something new and getting uncomfortable. Brandy thoughts. A lot of thoughts there. I want to second the getting out in nature. Uh, we did a road trip with my boys last summer, an RV trip, and left from Dallas and went up somewhere north. And we ended up in the um, white sands at sunset doing meditation and yoga. And it was the most amazing, rejuvenating thing because I'm typically a beach girl, but I really got my whole entire creative reset life in the white sands. So I would totally second that. Just being outside in nature, grasping that inspiration. As you mentioned, yeah, we're all creative. 
and very creatively inspired. Some of the things that I'm tapping into right now, um, I'm, I'm most inspired by the snippets. Now, I can't tune in live to the um, Supreme Court hearing because it's a little triggering for me, but I'm tapping into some of the snippets and something that um, our current nominee mentioned yesterday. She At the beginning of yesterday, she um, said thank you for her introduction, but then she acknowledged her children and said that you know she doesn't always get it right, the balance between work and being a mom, um, but she understands that the sacrifice that she's making and that they're making uh, just to create a better place in the world. So that's something that was very inspirational and resonated highly with me um, yesterday. And I've seen it uh, numerous times on LinkedIn, a bunch of people, regardless of what side of the aisle they sit on and whether they're down for her as a nominee or not, were very touched um, by that statement. Something else that I like to do is I just love the new creative vibe that's out on social media. Yes, that's the world I live in nine to five, but five to nine, I also like to go um, on various apps like Clubhouse and scroll through the hallway and listen in to hear different perspectives. I'm also really tapping into right now the creators that are on TikTok. They're brilliant. My, my uh, Spotify list has been curated with some dope artists that I never would have come across. Um, but I heard their music and their audio in the background. So um, just, just tapping into the new generation of creators, because oftentimes as advertisers, uh, we traditionally tap into people that have gone to ad school and to take the traditional route. But there's so much fresh creative inspiration and talent out there with people who probably are never going to work inside of an advertising agency. So that's currently right now where I'm finding my most inspiration. Absolutely. Incredible. Um, I love that you you brought up the the balancing act of, of a mom. And I think, I think even if you're not a parent or, you know, you, you find yourself, we all find ourselves balancing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone feels like they have to portray that we're doing it perfectly and that none of us are. And I think, you know, finding that realization is incredibly important. And that, that really resonated with me, with me as well from our, our justice nominee of, of the grace that she talked about kind of giving herself with that. And I thought that was Absolutely poignant and incredible. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, well, Brandy, what's the best part of your job? Oh, best part of my job is pouring into the new talent. So I'm kind of my entire previous career. I was a strategist, right? So leading um, influencer campaigns, activations, on-site social, um, really directing the whole tone of social for my clients from an annual perspective. But in this new role, I'm sitting squarely in an account role. And I find myself now having more what I call coffee conversations where I'm just talking to the younger junior staff, um, really just checking in even, and this is not direct downs, these are like four or five levels down and, and wide too, not just in my particular capability, but that's um, the most fun for me right now. I'm going to be in Boston next week meeting with a few of them um, in person face to face, but I remember coming up where I didn't see the career trajectory that I that I would have liked to see based on people in roles who I had had the same lived experience as me, meaning um, women in leadership for, for positions, specifically on the creative side too, because there was a lot of male ECDs, um, but then also um, women of color. And so just being still in the industry in my 14th year and in this space, I really look back to where I was, know that I wanted to have that person or see that person. So I'm being that person. So just really being there, open door policy, open teams or whatever we're going to be using policy just to be there for, for the junior staff. 
All right, Yvette, what's the best part of your job? <laughs> so sorry, Brandy. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Certainly, hands down, uh, best part of the job is students, right? Um, I think that when you think about, because uh, I work mainly with college students, um, and so when you think about this time in their life, it's impressionable, right? You have your traditional college age, 18 to 24, but regardless of if you're that age group or older, right? Um, it's still an impressionable time in your life because you're getting something that's about to change your life, your degree, right? You're meeting people, you're networking with people because that's an important part of college as well. The networking in addition to your degree while you are there, um, certainly important, but I'm sure we can talk about that um, later. But hands down, most uh fun part or best part about my job is students. I think one of the other things when I think about working with students, I think Brandy mentioned this before, like trends on social media. Oh my goodness. I feel like I am able to keep up with trends because of students. I remember, you know, when certain things come out um, and students might say something, you're like, wait, what did you say? And it's some, it's some new slang that has come out. It's some new trend on TikTok. And so I am able to uh, certainly um, connect with them um, in those ways. And they keep me up to speed on those things. Um, but also think going back to the, the impressionable part of their lives, um, one of the best parts for me is being able to help mold them and give them skills that they get you know, now, but that they can use later, right? So one of the main types of ways that I help um, develop them, I guess I should say, would be their leadership skills and diversity skills, right? So how can you take what you learn in terms of leadership, in terms of what you're doing in your student organization and apply that to workplace, or if you're going to be an entrepreneur, but also how do you take this diversity training and, and you know, be able to apply that to the workplace as well? And so hands down, students are uh, the best part of my job. I love that. Um, oh, I just love this. Oh, great. Um, so Lee, um, tell us what you're most proud of. Oh, well, absolutely. You know, Brandy, I'm a boy mom too. I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, and so boy, you know, uh, but from a professional perspective, you know, I'd love to share, uh, that I I'd say my legacy, you know, in my life professionally is, is serving others. Uh, so that's where my joy comes from, is giving back, sharing my expertise, my insights, all that I've learned and know to help people survive, thrive, maximize their success, as I previously mentioned. Uh, and that's what that's what inspires me. That's what I'm absolutely most proud of from a professional standpoint. And that's actually part of the reason why I left, I'd say, the very political and bureaucratic nine to five of corporate HR to go out on my own so that I could focus and hone in on uh, the coaching and the giving back in that sense. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to help so many people and they give me the feedback. Uh, you know, that I've helped them at home, I've helped them professionally. Uh, so it's very, very rewarding. And I would say what I'm most proud of is, is someone sharing with me very transparently of how they ultimately decided not to harm themselves, uh, because they received that support and those insights and those learnings, uh, you know, from me. And that that's something that I'm, I'm just so honored uh, to be able to do for others. Uh, so we can all help, you know, we can all serve uh, in our areas of expertise. And this is how you know, I'm able to give back and, and what I was gifted. Uh, and so again, I, I just, I love service through coaching and storytelling. That's, in, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, life, life-saving. I mean, what, wow. I, I think I just got chills. I mean, absolutely incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to ask uh, Yvette as well. What's the thing you're most proud of? 
Absolutely. And I think it sounds like we have all boy moms on, on the call. I just have <laughs> I'm a girl mom boy and he is four months now. So um yeah, new new mom. <laughs> So I guess we have a panel of all boy moms. Absolutely. Um, But thinking about things I'm most proud of, very similar to Lee, right? Um, Anytime others are inspired, anytime I can connect with someone and touch them. I know one of my students um, that just graduated contacted me and said, I know you were hard on us when we were in school, but I appreciate it now. And it's things that I can use later. So, you know, it may not be things that um, in my work that they appreciate right now or in the moment, but it's things that can help them. And so I'm most proud when I hear from them later in life and um, they can share with me, you know, the ways that I've impacted um, their life for sure. Um, and related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, certainly I'm, I think I'm most proud of being able to create sustainable practices and strategies, right? So I mentioned kind of at um, a previous institution, I helped start some of their diversity efforts. Um and created it in ways to where there was a strategic plan attached to it and records and documents so that the next person coming in could build off of that. And so I'm really excited, like I said before, they're in their seventh year of, um, you know, one of the conferences that was started while I was there. And so um, those, things of that nature, I'm certainly most proud of those things, because especially in diversity, equity, and inclusion work, if you don't have a strategic plan to keep going, sometimes um, the ball can be dropped and you have to start back over. And um, you certainly don't want to lose um, traction with that important work. Brandy, have you ever experienced a campaign that went awry? If so, how'd you get it back on track? So campaign. we're going to ask the hard stuff now. <laughs> yeah, campaigns that went awry. Hmm. There's been so, well, okay. They all go awry at some point before they launch. Um, and so just calibrating before, so having the check-ins before we go live is always critical and necessary. But I don't know that I had one that actually launched that wasn't on brand. So no to the campaigns that that didn't launch properly or or go off track, but it's just all of the work and all of the inputs that before you get to the launch, right? Really respecting everyone's role as a subject matter expert. Oftentimes we give all the credit and uh, the microphone to the creatives when you do need the strategists in the room you need the media team in the room to understand how things are going to play out. Um, you certainly need PM in the room to keep things on track and on time and on budget. So I think where if someone has experienced a campaign that just didn't launch properly, all of those checkpoints and all of those inputs, there's something was a disconnect there. Um, I rely heavily, heavily on my team at, at every step. Um you know, not it's the the final thing we focus on so much in advertising is the creative and the end result and what we can put up to win awards. And that's really, you know, ultimately not what it's about. I think, you know, even the data and analytics team, making sure you connect with them at the onset to understand what success looks like and how we're going to measure that and make sure that the clients are on board with what we perceive as a POV to be important in lockstep with what they do. So there's just a lot of things I think that go into, you know, the upfront before a campaign launches. So, I mean, hopefully if you have a collaborative work environment where everyone is respecting people who are at the table, where all the right people are at the table, let me let me double click on that and lean in there, especially when we talk about um, specific audiences that we're leaning into, whether it's a multicultural audience or, you know, LGBTQ audience, um, just having people in the room to give that shared lived experience and perspective um, is, is critical to having a successful campaign. But yeah, I think all of those are, are very necessary. And if so, 
if anyone's taking notes, lean into the subject matter experts that are around you to make sure that the campaign launches properly. Love that. Yvette, what is the biggest lesson you've learned? So one of the biggest lessons would be um, just have the courage to be yourself. Um, when I think about diversity, equity, and inclusion work, sometimes um, people get kind of sucked into what other people want you to do and how something should look, what's the right way to do something. Um, you just never know when someone might be watching you and you may be the person that they needed to um, have the courage um, to be themselves. And so I would certainly say one of the biggest things I've learned um, is to have the courage to be yourself, but to also commit to a journey. And this is, again, related to diversity, equity, inclusion work. When you're committed to a journey, it's not saying that, oh, I can just do whatever and use it as an excuse to say and do whatever, you know, things that hurt or harm people, but committing to a journey in a way that you can commit to, you know, learning things, getting the resources, connecting with people to understand more about the things that you don't know. Uh, for example, um, I think about times when I tell people I love this work. I've been doing it for over 10 years. And so when I learn something new and you often do in diversity inclusion work, um, I go and look, look it up if I didn't know it. I'm like, you may have caught me the first time I wasn't aware, but you won't catch me the second time. Right. So, for example, I'll meet a student from a country I don't know a lot about. I go research that. Right. And, to, and so it's just committing to a journey so you're better better able to, in my case, support students. But if you're in another area or field, just so you're better able to connect with people and support them in the work that you do. So I would certainly say lessons learned is certainly have the courage to be you, be yourself. You never know who you're going to inspire. But in diversity and inclusion work, certainly commit to a journey. A lot of people try to jump in and do everything, um, you know, early or at first, or you become, you know, the social justice police, but commit to a journey because you have to, you have to understand yourself first, right? Before you can start doing the work um, for other people. So that journey is going to certainly be important in um, diversity and inclusion work. So I'm going to toss that same question to Lee. Biggest lesson you've learned. Yeah, well, I'll just, you know, I love what Yvette shared or Dr. Moore shared. Uh, you know, as someone that's developed DEI strategies, have introduced organizations to DEI, the very profound advice, uh, you know, for me, a, a little along the same vein is that mentorship matters. It matters so much. Uh, I'm a Hispanic female from a very low socioeconomic background, and it wasn't until I got into work, uh, my mid-20s, that I actually was able to have professional mentors because they just weren't in my community, okay? So I just wasn't raised like that, very, very blue collar. And uh, I didn't have anyone that looked like me doing what I now do. Uh, and so it's almost just by, I feel sometimes luck, I ended up being able to become an executive, uh, you know, in business, uh, because I just didn't have, I didn't have that. So, so often people ask me, gosh, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know how to give back. You got it all right here. Right. So start with giving you uh, start with giving you because, boy, you know, when I reflect on, you know, where I've come from and where I am now, I only got here because of other people. I mean, I, I owe it all to everybody. I owe it all to to the mentors in my life that could inspire me because representation matters so much. Uh, just the visual of them made me know that, oh, I could sit there one day. Right. Because otherwise I would have never known that. Right. And then to be able to sit with my mentors and and them share and inspire and and lead and impact and influence. Wow. 
you know, so mentorship matters so, so much. And that is absolutely the biggest lesson I've ever learned is that giving back and serving others in that way. Uh, boy, did it benefit me. And so I dedicate so much of my time to giving back uh, you know, tenfold as much as I possibly can. And so, so again, if you're wondering, gosh, how, how can I get involved? How can I give back? How can I do this, that, the other, you got it all, you got it all right there. So definitely extend a hand and help reach out and, you know, pull someone up, uh, along with you. Love that. Um, Brandy, which overused phrase or word makes you cringe? This was my favorite question. I'm still I've having got... PTSD from viral. I really am. I mean, you know, <laughs> you I, are not the first panelist who's told us that actually. So I I'm, love so, that. I'm so glad because I, I had it happen about a month ago on a client call. <laughs> and this was a this was a client call. We were on video <laughs> and the client said, bless her heart. Like, first of all, she wasn't in the world of social. She was adjacent. And so they know what they know, which is only so much, which is great. But she said, yeah, we want to go viral. And I was like, stop, we're not, stop. And I said that, I, I said that on the call. First of all, I said it in a nice way, but like everybody cracked up. The chat blew up like, oh my God, Brandy just told this client to cut it out. But God, like, no, we have got to get to a point to understand in social media, the ocean spray guy, no, they weren't planning on him going viral, right? All of mm-hmm. these Viral moments are, and here's the other overused word, authentic and organic. Those two, too, we're going to add to the list, <laughs> right? Yes, we should all be our authentic selves, but that just equates to showing up and being you. So yes, but I've got three, viral, authentic, and organic, you know? I, I can say mine all of this. I think I need to make a dictionary after this these yeah. four sessions and just put together a list of terms we want Webster to throw out. Like you they should. add a word every year. Maybe mm-hmm. they could throw one out, but yes. I'm for all of those. I, I will I help you curate that list, but those are mine. Let's do it. That can be our, maybe Dr. Moore can help us with the research side. I mean, I think we, I think we've got something here. So okay. I'm going to ask all three of you guys that question. So Lee and then um, Yvette, you jump in too. Lee, go for it. So Brandy, you're saying you can't help me go viral. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna chat you after. We'll talk after. Oh please, boy! I'm a one woman show. I had no idea what I was getting into when I started, and now I've got half a million followers, and I'm just like, yeah. I don't. What is this? <laughs> so yes, it's very unintentional. That's good. That's the point. Yeah. Yes. Kudos. Uh, weird. I'm in. I'm just in a weird world. Oh my goodness! Y'all know this world. I'm just like what? <laughs> uh, but uh, the other the uh, the phrase that. That kills me. First off, when I was working with GE, they would always say low hanging fruit. Oh my gosh, that that kills me. And I would say really kind of cheeky. I'm a bit cheeky. I would say cheeky things. Oh yeah, that fruit's just all on the ground. Or oh yeah, let's make some fruit salad out of that stuff. I'd say weird (laughs) things like that, and they'd just be like, oh. Uh, But I hate I hate the phrase when people say, well, that's just not how we do things around here, or we've never done that before, or that's not you know how things go around here because. It may sound as though they're talking about an initiative, a program or action, but how I feel is that it's not how it's looked around here. Or I feel as though Mm -hmm. there's a gate 
now or a barrier to me entering or having an impact uh, as who I am, you know? And so that's how I hate that phrase because uh, there's some microaggressions in that phrase, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it, it's people wanting to be super comfortable in what they've always known and done and, and, uh, and appreciate that stuff, but not appreciate what all these other folks could potentially bring to the table and all these new impacts and all these new influencers and all this new information. Uh, so more, boy, that one kills me. I don't know if that kills anybody else out there, but I hate, well, we've never done that before. That's not how we do things around here. Well, why not? <laughs> because that's how I'm doing them. <laughs> so, <Preach>. <laughs> And that is your TED talk. Yes. Um, that is mine exactly. too. I feel the Welcome. same way. Thank I will you. soapbox about that all day. Um, <laughs> we should talk about that after too. Yvette, um, I'll throw the same question. What's your, what's your word? What's your phrase? Yeah, I think mine would be the well two pivot and no come to come to mind. So like pivot, I think um was well intentioned when it first started, right? So people are like, we have to pivot, we have to we have to change this thing around. But I've also seen where it makes me cringe is when people have used it to not fulfill something um and say they have to pivot. And so I'm not talking about the probably the original sense in which it was probably used. Um I've seen people use it, you know, with anything you can take something good and kind of you know flip it around. But also no, right? Um and I think this might be similar for for other folks when you hear no, and I say that because what I've had to learn is sometimes people cringe when they hear no, but it's more so about like you've got to, because to me, a no is either um, a not yet or you have to keep going, right? Because you've got to figure out what is it, why is it a no? Is it a no because you don't have the resources? Is it a no because you don't know? Because to me, you can always turn a no into a yes, even if it's, you know, in a couple of years, simply if you you try harder. So sometimes for example, I'll use this example. If I am asking someone in customer service something and they say, oh, no, we can't do that. I'm like, mm, you probably can. You just need the right resources. Right. Have you ever been somewhere you're like, no, you can help me, but you just not you're not trying hard enough. Right. So sometimes no gives me the sense of you're not trying hard enough. And it's always those questions of. So again, for me, I've had to learn when people tell you no, you have to start asking those questions. Why is it a no? Um, and that gives you a better insight on, you know, how people can, can truly help you or if they're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> Couldn't agree. I love those. Um, all of those can go in. I'm not sure we can get Webster to throw out the word no, but I think maybe the others we could, we could get away with. So um, I've got, I've got three left. Um, so I'm going to throw one to each of you, but Lee, tell us the best traits in a leader and why. Yeah, well, you know, there's an HR textbook answer, and that's that there's tons of leadership attributes out there, right? But for me personally, and how I view it is that I adopt a servant leadership style. And so I don't know if you all know what servant leadership is, but basically it's, hey, I'm going to do everything and anything I can as a leader to remove barriers for my people to maximize their success because their success is just a reflection of my own. And so I'm going to have them feel safe. I'm going to have them feel supported. I'm going to have them uh, capable of impact. Uh, and so that's what it's about. It's, again, service to others in the leadership role. Uh, I truly believe that we serve people, that people do not serve us if you're a leader, right? So it's a privilege to be a leader, and people should take that very, very seriously. Uh, and along with that, and in order to really be a servant leader, humility. Humility to me is the number one leadership tra uh, trait. It's the ability to say, I'm sorry. It's the ability to apologize. And it's just strength to recognize that you don't need to know everything. You need to hire the best people, grow the best people, develop the best people and trust them and let them go and let them wow you. 
so that's what you know humility and leadership brings is the capability the ability to be comf- comfortable and not knowing everything. You're not supposed to know everything as a leader. Uh, you're supposed to you're supposed to grow an awesome team and support them. Uh, so humility is number one for me in service to others. I love that. Absolutely. That's I I think I wish, you know, there were everyone should get that packet or that on first day, Playbook. you know, something <laughs> we need it out there. <laughs> oh, I know. Organizations, man, leadership development, that is, they struggle. That's up there. That's that's Gosh, number yeah, one most of the time. <laughs> I'm I'm fortunate enough that I, I do have a, a boss that, that believes like you do. And so I've learned learned so much in that regard just in this last year of you know believing the best in people and giving them the tools to make them, you know, successful. Trust. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't agree more. Matters so much to to want to come to work every day because otherwise they're gonna go. So I love mm-hmm. that. Um Yvette. What would you tell someone starting out and hoping to make an impact in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, or just in the the, the service of other space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, particularly with when I think about diversity, equity, inclusion space, I would say pace yourself. Times people just starting out in this particular work, um, you know, you get really excited, but just remember, it's so much, right? It's so much information, it's so much to learn about it, so many cultures, so many backgrounds, so many things. And so I would certainly say, um, but very similar to what I said earlier, but commit to the journey, commit to learning more as you go along, right? Um, If you're fortunate enough to have people along who um, connect with you and you're able to ask questions, certainly take them, take them up on that, but, you know, don't expect underrepresented populations to do that. But I would certainly say pace yourself. Don't feel like um, you have to do everything. Uh, What a mentor had shared with me was you have to pick your battles um, because you could be trying to figure something out, you know, all the time, but you certainly have to to pace yourself because we also have to remember we're human too. And the healing that we help other people do through diversity, equity, inclusion work, we have to take some of that time for us. And what I tell people sometimes, um, I have to sometimes turn off my notifications, right? Um, I know one summer we were hearing back to back to back to back things um, about, you know, black and brown bodies. And it's like, you know what, I need a break. And so I would say certainly pace yourself, take care of yourself in this work as well. And it may sound cliche, but it's so true. You can't do the work to help other people if you are not healthy and whole in yourself. Um, I'd also say, and I think Lee mentioned this earlier, get mentors. Um, And I say mentors and not just a mentor because get connected to people, multiple people who do the work. Um, It may be someone who's, you know, same level as you. It could be someone, you know, who's been 20 years in the game. We get mentors and these are people to just talk to and talk about the different things um, and to help you build, um, you know, build yourself as a professional. They may have tips for growing um, you know, books to read, tips for people to connect to, tips for ways to develop yourself. So those two things I would share in terms of getting started, pace yourself and get mentors. Love that so much. Okay, Brandy, this is my last question, but then I'm going to open it up to the three of you to, to talk about, you know, anything for the last couple of minutes. But Brandy, where do you find joy? Where do I find joy? I find joy. You know, I'm happy with my little work office. I'm going to tell you the truth. I've got a nice size office here that has my husband's desk here the kids desk is here they've got a reading area and I've got a reading chair in the library so I find joy in just understanding that I can now being fully remote get up from this desk walk outside take a walk around the block get a reset but then just being joyful in knowing that I have the power to create change in a job that I like right? Because so often we take that for granted. You know, we we often find ourselves complaining about the work or how taxing it is or, you know, just how frustrated we are. But there are 
even though we had this great resignation, there are still people trying to find their way and trying to find a job. So we have to be very mindful that, you know, though the work that you might be doing right now is not your ultimate end game, and it may not be fulfilling, but just living in a space of gratitude of what you have, especially in comparison to others right now. So I just, I'm a very um, mindful person. I stay very grounded. And so I just find joy in all the little things, whether it's a walk with the boys, um, me and my husband going out for the occasional date night. Like I just, I know that it's so much bigger than what we do in our nine to five. And that's the other thing I wanted to double click on what you asked about the, the power, the, the um, benefits of a strong and effective leader. It's being empathetic. It's not sympathetic, right? I want to be clear, not sympathetic, being empathetic. We have to understand that everyone's lived experiences right now are very different. And so though I reference my my role as a leader in an agency and as a mom and as somebody who does a lot of organizational work, there are people that are caretakers to senior parents. There are people who are acting in a parent role for younger siblings There are people who are just out trying to find their way in life, right? But we all work together in in these jobs and in these roles. So as a leader, and this is not just with a title, right? Because we all have the ability to be a leader at every single level. Um, Just be empathetic and really work on cross-cultural communication too. I just wish across the board that was required if you're going to be in a corporate setting Cross-cultural communication is so key right now to just be able to pop the hood and really peel back the layers of, yes, this is your lived experience, but there are so many others that you should take into consideration based on how you communicate and how you move in the world. So, um, but I, I truly find joy in just understanding that, you know, I can get up, walk away, go reset, and I just have this ability to create impact in every aspect of my life. Yvette, some final thoughts or a question you you wish you could have answered or anything you want to to add? Um, I think uh, just, you know, the leadership question pops into my mind in terms of, I think the question was, you know, what what makes um, a great leader? Um, And I would just add to what um, other panelists have said, um, assessing yourself is always really great um, as a leader. And particularly in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, it's really good to understand your biases, be honest and truthful with yourself. Um, Because I think, again, a lot of times people try to jump into the work of diversity, equity, inclusion and helping others, but you've done nothing to assess yourself and to work on yourself. And so I'll certainly say, um, as far as leadership, it'll be good to assess yourself in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion to be a good leader and to truly be inclusive. Lee, same same question. Anything you want to add or a question you wish you were asked by me? You know, I think so often I've seen organizations focus very, very heavily on the diversity aspect of DEI and have zero consideration for the E and I, but you will never fully have the diversity without the inclusion. Uh, so where I love to focus is on inclusivity, belongingness in an organization, safety, psychological, physical in an organization, uh, making space for everybody. That's so key and important because I can bring so many colorful people in and different backgrounds and religions and you name it, but they will never stay. Uh, They will never stay because we bring our whole selves everywhere we go, especially the workplace where we spend most of our waking hours. And if you can't be your authentic, real self in that space, you will not stay. 
Uh, and so I'm always I'm always pushing leaders, please focus on the I. <laughs> you know, the E, the I, they're all so important, but gosh, please, let's create safe spaces where people can just be authentically themselves. And so when Brandy was talking about, you know, what sparks joy for me personally, I know it's any space that I feel safe to be my authentic real self, mm-hmm. uh, where I know that that self is valued, uh, whether that's home, at the Starbucks across the street, at work, wherever it is, it doesn't matter. Uh, just wherever I can feel comfortable and that I know, you know, that I, that I feel this sense of belonging that's so key and important. So don't forget about, you know, how important the I is, uh, especially uh, because again, you know, the diversity, ah, you know, if, if you can't create safe spaces for people, empathetic spaces, uh, spaces of belonging, uh, places where people can make an impact there, they can make their impact there. Then uh, it's just, it's, it's a lost cause. Brandy, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I love everything that has been shared today. And yes, we do focus on the D that I would add an A to it too, right? Access. Um, we, we often lose sight of our ability and others inability to do certain things. So accessibility is key as well. But just final thoughts. I just want to say thank you for the time and the space that you're creating to center and amplify, um, especially women this month. We know that, you know, it's important with all of the things that are happening, um, including us still striving for equal pay, for equal work. Um, It's important to have platforms like this. And then I also want to commend you on your work as governor um, this term. You have been awesome. And I think the programming has definitely elevated. I'll just say that and you can I'll, I'll drop it in a LinkedIn recommendation or something, but I do appreciate the work that you and the team have done to put this program together. So just thanks for having me. It was great to meet um, Dr. Moore and Lee. Yeah, I just want to echo that. You you ladies are inspiring and you're, you're doing the work. And I am so glad that District 10 can learn from each of you. I'm glad, Brandy, that you're a hometown girl and we get to have your work done in Dallas. And um, we've got Dr. Moore in Arkansas and you know, Lee, what you are doing on, I love following you. I've already, you know, when Austin introduced you to me, I love the stuff you put out there in the, into the sphere. And I can see why you have so many followers because you are being your authentic self. Thank you all for tuning in today, for sticking with us, for hearing from these incredibly um, amazing ladies. We'll have another one in my term that we will do um, closer to the summer. And so be on the lookout for that. But thank you guys for your time, your talents and um, sharing your wisdom with each of us. It's been, it's been an inspiring day. So thank you so much. And that will conclude our 10 questions with District 10. Absolutely love these fireside chats. Stephanie, thanks for putting them together. We appreciate that. And one more time, it's the D10 auction going on through the 23rd. Go to AAF10.org, click on the banner and find out more and go get yourself some great stuff there. Virtual leadership immersion training coming up on April 12th and 13th. Go to AAF10.org for details. Advention 2022 coming to Houston April 20th through 23rd. Go to Advention2022.com. Go get your tickets today. Hope to see you June 2nd through the 5th in Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel for AdMerica. Go to AAF10.org and click on the AdMerica link for more details and your tickets. On June 18th, the American Advertising Federation will be at SMU in Dallas for 2022 D10 Club Officers Training. Details, again, at AAF10.org. 
Ad Speaks Houston is the Addy Award-winning podcast created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter. Find out more at aaf-houston.net. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss a new podcast. Your rating on iTunes will also help us grow. And don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media. We also invite you to meet the people that represent District 10 of the American Advertising Federation. Check out AdTension, the podcast for District 10. Until next time, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Ad Speaks Houston, copyright 2022. I'm Ray Schillings.